Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Bet on Chicago. I'm Joey Christopoulos. We're talking Chicago Cubs baseball in just a second. But first, got to talk about our presenting sponsors. The first one, they've been there since the beginning. It's BetOnline.ag. Head on over to BetOnline for the latest odds, stats, trends, and lines. Everything from point spreads to hundreds of bets on everything. BetOnline is your best source to get into all the action. So head on over to BetOnline.ag where the game starts and we also have a brand new sponsor we're so excited to welcome them on board it is the cut app k-u-t-t app we got a great new sponsor i love betting with my friends i love betting with them on anything sports game whatever it takes it's a peer-to-peer social betting platform that's what the cut app is and it's legal now in 40 plus states it has customizable odds tracking capabilities and an entire social network group chats user profiles and rewards all payments no need for venmo so what are you waiting for head on over we've got a promo code for a 10 percent welcome bonus when you use believe bears b-l-e-a-v bears that's my other show the football show so make sure you check that out cut app put your money where your mouth is everybody welcome to bet on chicago here part of the believe network so happy make sure you subscribe comment rate and follow this podcast tell all your friends about it you can watch us on believe tv right now around the country in airports and on youtube you can also read the top believe stories on si.com and follow us across all of our believe socials you can follow me at joey sports guy it's spring baby spring hope is eternal let's talk some chicago cubs baseball which means you know it folks time to bring in my cubs consigliere's um, up first right now, he wasn't willing to sign a long-term deal, but we got him back in a great AAV on a short-term deal. He's here. He's happy. It's Dom Fortini. What's up, Dom? Free agency is like a turkey, and a, yeah, I don't know. I'll figure it out. I'll, I'll get it. I'll get it before we're done. I <laughs> promise you that. I'll get it. When we talk about depth and when we talk about prospects in the Cubs organization, none better than the rising star himself. He's Sean Graves. What's up, Sean? What's going on, fellas? Happy to be here to discuss our 2024 uh, Division Championship Chicago Cubs. I love that you said that because I was walking the dog this morning, walking in, and I was like, you know, we started doing these in the 2020 season um, during the pandemic, and I feel like that the Chicago Cubs, I feel like our pods have been full of woe and worry, and I've been very negative on these things, but I have to be honest with you, this might be the first podcast that we're doing with the Chicago Cubs where I actually feel pretty good heading into the season. I'm not feeling great. I said I'm feeling pretty good. Um, and big of that, big part of that reason is because Cody Bellinger is back into the fold, signing a three-year deal for $80 million, 30, 30, 20. He can opt out after the first year. He can opt out after the second year. So let's dive right into it. Dom, I want to get your uh, your thoughts on Cody Bellinger back in the fold with the Chicago Cubs. Yes. God. back to you <laughs> yeah i mean what else you literally had they had what they had, they had like two jobs and and that was job a he fills a lot of holes he's the guy he's the guy that's gonna stir the drink of this lineup right here and and they got him and both sides seem to be very happy seems all right to me the guy had a great year we'll give him a little raise he may not be here in the future he doesn't need to be here in the future we needed just something to tide us over a little bit and he's the one to do it uh sean i want to get your take on this um not to go cross town about it but it did kind of remind me a little bit of i don't know if you guys remember after the white Sox won the world series paul canerco was on the doorstep of signing with the arizona diamondbacks and the cub uh, the white Sox came in spent 64 million on him but they had to pay top dollar to bring him back 
Sean, I want to get your take on this because it feels like that both sides wanted to make this happen. But sometimes when both sides want to make this happen, they end up having to pay that top dollar, that long-term contract. That did not happen in this case with Jed. So what are your thoughts on the length of the deal and Cody Bellinger being back with the Cubs? I mean, I, I love it. I mean, first off, you know, we all were giving Jed a whole lot of shit for about three <laughs> months there, right? So Deservedly so. Yeah, he, and, and he, but he he played the game of chicken with Boris and he won this one. And I think it's great because I don't think any of us wanted to go into the season with a, a, a true rookie starting in center field and first base. So now you have Bella. You can buy either one or both of those guys some time. They don't have to come out of the gate being superstars. He can play center. He can play first. He gives you that depth, like Dom says. And we needed that bat in the middle of the order. If you didn't have that, I don't know what you're going to do offensively. I mean, I'm not looking to see Ian Hatback clean up. Well, you know, <laughs> so yeah, I hope it carries over, but we just don't know, right? It's nice to have that proven guy back in the middle of the lineup that can play multiple positions. Great point with center and first base. Uh, you're trying to bring up a young kid with Pete Crow Armstrong. You're trying to see what you got with Michael Bush. We'll get to him maybe a little bit later, but it does alleviate some of that pressure that I think the Chicago Cubs put on themselves last year a little bit when they were trying out Trey Mancini and Eric Cosmer at first base, trying to hold off and stave off Matt Mervis. And then when Matt Mervis came up, it didn't really work out. Um, Dom, I want to throw it back to you where I feel like this time last year when we were talking about Cody Bellinger, we were talking about Cody Bellinger as, uh, well, it's either not going to work out um, and he'll be out of town by June or it will work out and he'll either become a fantastic trade piece halfway through the summer or he'll be a guy that could be determined to a long-term Cub. The situation turned into the latter, and I was trying to pour through the stats. I'm still – I don't know if I'm 100% sold that I, I'm, I know exactly what I'm going to get from Cody Bellinger. I even looked up the numbers. I mean, every number across the board was fantastic. I thought he slumped in September, but he still hit 275. Um, where's your confidence level right now with Cody Bellinger that he'll be able to either repeat, replicate, or give us something reminiscent of what he provided this team last year, offensively and defensively. I know when we talked last year, listen, he was, they took a, a year flyer on him just to see what he could do. Here's are notorious for kind of holding back until that contract year. Oh, I need a long-term deal. I'm going to get paid. And guess what? You dropped 307, 356 and 525. Those are great numbers that would have got him signed anywhere. Anybody who would have paid him. Unfortunately, you still have to put the shoe on the other foot. And how many over 300 years has he had? Just one other one. Okay. So even if the guy can hit 275, even if those numbers drop a little bit, I'm not saying free fall, but you know, it's great. He's pop. He's someone We've talked in the past when they've had these mundane lineups of guys, who are you afraid of? You can now be afraid of somebody. They can stack certain people certain ways to where you get a couple runners on and you're facing Bellinger. You make a mistake, see ya. It's done. You make a mistake to Matt Mervis, he's going to ground into a double play. There's a big difference in having Bellinger in the lineup versus not having Bellinger in the lineup. Even if he falls off a little bit, you're still in good shape. He's still... A high quality ball player. Sean, your confidence level that Cody Bellinger can uh, maybe not repeat or exceed, but give us that similar type of production and, and presence in the lineup this year. Yeah, I think I'm kind of where Dom is too. Like I, I don't I don't see him hitting 307 again. But again, if he if he could just be a 270 or above and be a threat to take you deep, be around that 25 home run mark, I can live with that. That's what we need. We, you know, we don't need we don't need Patrick wisdom up there. 
We just need a guy that's in the middle of the order that's going to be a threat. You can put him in between a Suzuki, hopefully a kid like Bush steps up, and then you've got something. Yeah, follow up on that real quick, Sean, because we're talking about the 307. A lot of the reports and probably what hurt him in terms of his long-term deal was that his exit velocities um, and his hard hit rate weren't exactly up to snuff or weren't exactly in that elite level that probably necessitates that long-term deal. Sean, in my opinion, the only way the dude hit 307 last year was because of his two-strike approach. Yeah. Now, we can crunch numbers all we want and put them on a piece of paper, but I know that we watched a shit ton of Chicago Cubs games last year, and when that dude had two strikes on, he just kind of poked the ball into left field and got himself a nice base hit. In the 90s, we used to applaud something like that, and now <laughs> in this analytic era, it's actually hurting him from getting a long-term deal. So, Sean... Is that fair that maybe that regression back to that 270 with more power is a good prediction right now for Cody, Cody Bellinger because in the back of his mind, he's actually getting punished for being a good hitter and a good teammate last year. Yeah. It's funny, right? That's where baseball is, right? Which is fun because some of those, some of those numbers too, you know, they kind of said that when he was ahead in the count and swinging away, his hard hit contact was better. It was when he was, behind in the count two strikes where he was kind of doing the Rizzo and choking up and just taking that little bloop to left field, which I'd rather have that all day long than a pull happy guy rolling over one to first base or, or chasing and striking out. So definitely a little bit unfair, but I, I also think too, going back to the contract with Bellinger, I don't think anybody wanted to give him six at one fifty after one year. Would we be more comfortable? Let's say he does come back this year and he hits two eighty with 25 bombs and 80 to hundred RBIs and he's only 29, then you go into the offseason, maybe we're more comfortable than going back to him offering him six at 150. Yeah, hop in, Dom. Yeah, I mean, was it Bull Durham where he's like, you know what the difference is between a Hall of Famer and a guy bagging groceries is a little one blooper a week. And it yep. to, to me, as a big, like, obviously, I'm old school. I like the pure game. I, I don't care if you get a hit. Keep the line moving. It doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt your team to poke it the other way and get the single. Keep the line moving. Score runs. This team is notorious for getting those runners on. If they get the runners on, they left them there. The last couple of years, the last couple of times they've been in the playoffs. Hitting. Problem. Bellinger. Pro guy. Yeah, let's move on over to uh, – this is a segue of a topic that I want to get into because we are talking a little bit about contracts right now. And what I find to be so interesting is it seems to be – I don't know if it's the owners. I don't think we can just credit the owners on this. I think it's just we tried something for a little while, and I don't think that it worked. Now, when we're talking about six for 150, a lot of people are like, well, that's what Brandon Nemo got the year before. So that's why Cody Bellinger needs to get that. But if you're already looking at that deal, that Brandon Nemo deal is atrocious. Um, It's terrible. It's going to remain terrible. So my question, and Dom, maybe I'll throw this one out to you first, is that are we starting to see maybe a shift in baseball where I think the agents need to start pushing higher AAV with more flexibility and more player freedom and movement and independence. And maybe we are slowly getting away there. There's still going to be those, those few guys that get those eight to 10 year deals. Like Juan Soto next year, will get an eight to 10 year deal, but I'm starting to think that four to seven range we saw with the pitching, uh, the pitching in the early two thousands, Mike Hampton, we saw those six, seven-year deals. They sucked. They moved off of them for a little while. Are we starting to see maybe a tide come back to higher AAV, shorter deal, more player freedom, but not these six, seven-year deals? 
Yeah, I mean, I, th I think it's a combination of a number of things you just mentioned. I think it's both the owners being like, hey, we can't pay Albert Pujols when he's 40 years old. We can't pay him this kind of money. You can't do it. Yeah. He was worth it 10 years ago when, when they signed him. But I, I, didn't, I think a lot of the players, maybe they don't want to be locked in. You get all these guys in a team and free agents start leaving and they can leave whenever they want. They start opting out and then you're the one holding the bag. Oh, Chris Bryant. But you're the last one who's going to be standing in Colorado because they can't get rid of you. They can't buy anybody else. It's going to be you and a bunch of kids. So I think the flexibility of both the player and the agent has to come into play. That's the other problem. That's a great point, man, is that you can't move these guys. You know, the, Rob yeah. the Robinson Cano, they were forced to eat so many millions and millions of dollars just to move off of that deal. Um, and, and that's going to be the same case if Chris Bryant ever wanted to go, actually go and play for a contender. If he went to the front office and said, I've done my in three or four years and said, I've done my duty in Colorado. We never made it. I've been a good steward of the organization. Trade me to a contender. Well, they're going to be like, how? And how much money are we going to have to eat? And it really kind of landlocks these players a little bit. Um, so I want to ask you this, Sean, moving on over then to the remaining Boris three, the Jordan Montgomery, the Blake Snell, <laughs> the Matt Chapman. Um, where do you see this landing? Um, and let's maybe start specifically with Matt Chapman, Chapman because he was linked and rumored to the Cubs. Um, are you buying? Are you buying any of that? That the Cubs still could be in play? Are they kind of like watching every single grounder from Christopher Morrell and saying to themselves whether it moves one way to the other? Uh, with Matt Chapman, where are you landing on that? I, I mean, I unless Chapman is going to take roughly the exact same deal that. And by still, I mean like link with opt-outs that that Bellinger took for even for but not thirty million, make twenty million. I don't think there's any shot at all for the Cubs. I mean, I, I don't think there's a shot at all, anyways, because they don't want to pay the taxes, right? They're, what are they three to five million under right now? Fine. They they know they save that for the for the for the the trade deadline, the deadline yeah. add a piece or two, and then go over then. I mean, if you add Chapman. And then you have to add a piece of the deadline. You're talking about going into the, the, the double apron then. And little Tommy Ricketts is not about that. <laughs> he, he don't live that life. <laughs> little Tommy, little Tommy Nichols. Um, yeah, Dom, uh, do, you, do you concur with our, our Cubs consigliere here, Sean Graves, that Matt Chapman will play on a team, but it probably will not be on the north side? Yeah, I mean, at this point, you can pretty much – the Cubs literally have seven third basemen that they could that they could make serviceable for a time. And and leaving leaving the season last year, if you would have told me Christopher Morrell was going to be the third baseman, I probably would have panicked all winter. I thought it was going to be Chapman. I thought they were going to go out and get Bellinger. I thought they were going to get Chapman. And then we just kind of dragged on. And then Sean's right, the money. You want to have money to be flexible. If if they're in this garbage division, they made a couple of moves, you're, you're steps ahead of these other teams. You want to make a move at the deadline. Save your money. Keep these seven third basemen for now, except for Patrick Wisdom. So six third basemen, keep the six, and make a move at the All-Star break. So that brings us to our biggest question here right now. We are going to reveal our hottest takes of the spring um, as the weather starts to turn. Uh, but that's the big question then, Sean. Um, if you don't see them adding Matt Chapman, I don't see them adding Blake Snell or Jordan Montgomery. Um, oh, there are there are some periphery pieces out there that could you know that could come onto the Cubs. Um, there's still plenty of guys out there. Uh, but the question is, and we were asking it all winter. I think the answer was no. I'm starting to lean towards yes. Have the Cubs done enough? Have the Cubs done enough in your opinion? I mean, I think. 
it's like, have they done enough for what? To win the division? To win the World Series? You know what I mean? What do you... Yeah, what, it, what does that right? mean? Yeah, so, what does that mean for you? And what does that mean for Cubs fans, right? You know what I mean? Like like, it, have they... I, I guess I would say, like, if, have they done enough to be in the wild card chase? Yes. Have they done enough to potentially win the division? I'll lean yes. Anything beyond that? No. But I also think that they kind of feel like that's okay for now, that if they can just keep taking steps, keep building. They feel like they've got a lot of, you know, a lot of these young guys that are right there at double and triple A, the, the, the PCAs, guys like that, that are ready to knock on the door, that they can do that. So I, 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 I guess I'll say yes, but it's, it's just so hard to know because we don't, we don't know what a Michael Bush is going to be, right? We don't know what a Chris Morrell at third base is going to look like if he's the everyday guy. We just don't know. Yeah, no, there's definitely still some question marks. Um, and, and if that is the case of how you feel, Sean, I mean, like when the lights are turned down low and the candles are lit and Tony Braxton is on and Tom Ricketts is watching <laughs> those little try hard Arizona diamondbacks, take it to the big empire of oh, right, the, you know, the, the Atlanta Braves and the Dodgers of the world. Um, I guess that's a pretty good scenario to be in for the Chicago Cubs, but, oh yeah, by the way, as I mentioned on the last show, uh, the Arizona diamondbacks went out and spent more money than the Cubs this off season. So, and they also have Corbin Carroll on the team who is a bona fide MVP candidate and star. I don't think the Chicago Cubs have that. Uh, Dom, so I throw it to you, my friend. Have the Chicago Cubs done enough? In, our, in, in this house, when things are going okay, we, they're trending well. And I don't think we've thought they've been trending well in a long time. I thought they were trending down or at least trending medium. I, I think the steps have been taken and some of the pieces are starting to fall into place and, and, and you're starting to see a little bit more of maybe what Jed's learned under the, under the, the guidance of Theo, you know, you don't have to make this big splash all at once to turn around an organization. It takes a couple of years to do it. And I, and I think that's what we're seeing. You've got a, You've got a mix of some guys who are pretty solid, who might be around longer term, even if they're on a shorter deal right now, doesn't mean they can't sign again. A, another bonus to having those three to five year contracts and the Cubs do. They have a great farm system. You've got more than a handful of people on the way. They've done enough to make me sleep better at night up to this point. I, I, I agree with Sean. I think you're absolutely going to be in the wild card hunt. There is no reason to believe they can't win this division at this point. You don't know what you're going to get from St. Louis. Milwaukee's falling off. I'm not even going to count those other two. I don't even like talking about those other two teams. This is a three-team race in this division, and I think the Cubs are in a great spot to be able to win that. Beyond that, we'll see. <laughs> and that may that may be that all-star break move, but uh, I think definitely trending better, and I'm sleeping a little bit better knowing that some of the holes have been filled. Is a part of this for both of you going back to the same thing that we've talked about for the last couple of years where I, I personally, I, I really enjoyed that team last year. Um, I, I think I might've liked that team a little bit more than you guys uh, at times, but I, I just thought that that was a really, it was a deep entertaining team um, that scored runs in the first inning and scored runs in the ninth inning um, was always in ball games. And even when they lost, they would still tack on a couple runs in the ninth inning and make it close. I just love the fight in that team. I liked where they were heading into the playoffs, but and they and they fell short of the playoffs. They didn't make it. Heading into this year, I guess some of my hesitancy is can they replicate a team that let's be honest, they had seven guys that had 60 plus RBIs last year. 
Um, you know, that's a deep squad. And if you want to go deeper, they had nine guys with at least 40 plus RBIs. If you want to count the wisdoms and the Talkmans kind of coming off the bench and helping out, they scored the fourth most runs um, in the National League. They were right there with all the other big boys in terms of offense. The counter to that is, you know, can they do it again? But if you look at all, no one really went out and had themselves a career year. You know, I, I still think Ian Happ can be better. I still think Seiya Suzuki can be better. Um, we don't know the full thing of Christopher Morrell. I thought Dansby Swanson fell off the face of the earth towards the end of the year. Can he give us a little bit more of a consistent effort? But, but Sean, I think at the end of the day, I think our hesitancy is in the fact that they do not have star quality players. And I'm not saying this from like an entertainment factor or a, or a, a trading card factor, but Sean, they don't have the guy that goes, oh, he's starting today. Oh, we're going to win. Justin Steele got pretty close to that last year, but I don't want to put that on him just yet. They don't have a guy that can carry them for 10 days where this dude is so hot right now. It doesn't matter what you do. With, I mean, Aramis Ramirez would just carry us for <laughs> – it's true. It's true. <laughs> Derek Lee would carry us at times for long stretches of – you know. and Sean, maybe is that part of where our hesitancy is, is that this team is just – uh, a bushel of, of pretty good and, and not really good. No, a hundred percent. And I, and I, yes, this, this team absolutely has no star player that every day you're like, well, we're just going to put him number three. He's going to go out there and hit 323, you know, 30, 35 bombs, hundreds. We don't, we don't have that. Now I think the Cubs and Jed Hoyer would tell you, we think Saya in year three can be that guy. And God, do I hope they're right. If he can come anywhere close to what he was doing the last two months last year when that light bulb seemed to go on, he, he could be that guy for sure. I think you're spot on about Ian Happ. Like Ian Happ needs to stop having this existential crisis about what he's going to be at whatever. Either you're going you're to you're hit for power or you're going to hit for average. You can't do what you did last year and hit 220 or 230 and also not hit for power while you're still batting two or three in the lineup. So I, I do think that the Seiya Suzuki is potentially the option. But again, like we keep saying, there's no guarantee of that. I mean, man, if if a guy like Chris Morrell could figure out how to hit 260, 270 with his power, it, right. it potentially, but that, that's all it is right now is, is potential. There's no sure thing. And that is the one thing with like Jed and these contracts, like, like going into next year, like Juan Soto, like I have no – fantasy that Juan Soto will be in a Cubs uniform. Jed Hoyer is not giving him 10 years. But at some point, if you want that star player, that's what you're going to have to do probably, right? Yeah, the Pete Alonso maybe would be an easier sell on that front. But no, no. Making a good point, Dom, that Sean's making a good point that, you know, Bellinger, uh, Bellinger, Saya, I mean, these are tier two guys that can be really, really good. We have possibly three or four tier two guys. We just don't have any tier one guys. Yeah, and I, and I don't think they're built like that. Maybe the organization doesn't believe in that right now. But the way this team is constructed, I don't think they need it. I don't. I don't think you need that top tier guy right now. I, I think if anybody, Nico Horner had a great year last year. Even if he falls off a little, you're still in good shape with that leadoff hitter. You're solid up the middle with him and Dansby Swanson. You've got guys in positions where they don't have to be superstars. This is, this needs the problem with this team is going to be, it's going to need to be a team. You, you're not going to have, there's going to be no boom box incident on this team. There can't be. And if there is, then there's bigger problems within the organization. 
you don't need a superstar. Arizona proved last year, and a, and a couple of players aside, they were a great team, and they rolled people all the time like that. Look, uh, and and you brought up another interesting point too, where the chemistry is really great on this team, and and honestly, like that can be a hyperbolic or superficial thing to say in sports, but in baseball, I think that's real because you're with these dudes day in and day out for three and a half hours, and someone else, different people have to pull on the rope every single day to win baseball games. So chemistry actually means a lot to me in baseball. Dom, hop back in. The the organization all winter fed us that this is going to be the direction we're moving. And, you know, they felt ju just short. We were just short, even though last year on those late pods, we had both of you were a little more optimistic. And was well, it sad for me when they were finally eliminated? Of course, because I'm a Cubs fan. But did I really believe they were going to make the playoffs or they should have been in the playoffs to get embarrassed? I didn't want that. That team wasn't good enough to, to be in those playoffs last year. This team... I think they're, you know, you're, you you grew with these guys for another year. I think they're in a much better position this year to make that move into the playoffs than they were last year. I, I, I understand what the organization was trying to say. I never bought into the fact that they were just this close. They were a lot further than that close. Um, I don't think, you know, is Craig Council a better manager than David Ross? Sure. Prove it. If, if if you were that close and you think you spent $40 million to get this guy, he better be, he better have the best jokes, the best press conferences. He's going to have to give this city more than David Ross did. We love David Ross. We're never going to hang David Ross in the town square, believe me, but David Ross wasn't going to take this team to where the organization wanted it to go. You better do five nights at Wrigley with Craig Council. And <laughs> Boom, the, and here the, we go. I tell and you. the counselors, his band. Yeah, yeah. Stand up, stand Sean, hop in on this. Uh, well, you know, going back to what you said a minute ago, I do think it is possible to replicate all those guys with that amount of RBIs. Like, if you if you think about it, I mean, with with hopefully Morrell with the full year, with hopefully the Bush kid is, you know, if the Bush kid is just like twice as good as those bums we bought in last year, you could be oh, looking uh, yeah, to interject really quick, I, part of the thing with the Michael Bush, uh, do you guys realize that Trey Mancini, Eric Hosmer, and Matt Mervis, they combined for nine home runs and 53 RBIs? So I think that's where we start with the floor with Michael Bush. Continue. Yeah, I mean, you add a guy like that. I mean, you, you could conceivably look around the diamond and, and at all eight position spots, nine with the DH, you could have nine guys with 70, you know, 70 plus RBIs out of those positions. I wouldn't be surprised with that at all. Yeah, and it's going to depend on a couple of things. Like, do I think Jan Gomes is going to hit, you know, 267 again? I, I don't. Probably not. Right, but maybe a little more at-bats for Miguel Amaya. Um, it's definitely, I think what's hard to feel so solid and locked in with the Chicago Cubs, it is very much it takes a village mentality with this team. And I'll be honest with you, I, I like that. It's actually really fun baseball to watch. Um, and I and my, maybe my slight disagreement was that I thought that the Chicago Cubs could scare some teams not named the Atlanta Braves in the playoffs last year um, because we saw in September that the Braves just they had our number. And every time we would take a break, your break is still Michael Harris up at the plate and you're screwed. Yeah. I mean, that was really tough on our bullpen and we couldn't really do a whole lot about that. But, you know, the Dodgers didn't scare me. The Phillies didn't scare me at that time. So I do think the Chicago Cubs can compete and it will come down to. You know, this is this is the summer that they go into the luxury tax, right? If we're serious about this, we want to bring somebody in. 
we don't know what it is yet, whether it's a pitcher, whether it's a bullpen arm, whether it's a slugger. With that, with that little gap between that luxury tax threshold, the Chicago Cubs are going to have to go into that in the summer if they're competing. We should demand that as Chicago Cubs fans, and hopefully they, they do that and make that happen. Um, it's springtime right now. I don't know if we're ready for wind projections. Not sure if we're ready for that. Hoping to get you guys back for a full season preview uh, before the bell rings and the actual games matter. Uh, but for right now, in the springtime, as it gets a little hot out, let's heat it up, baby. I want to hear some hot takes. Um, you can go with old guys. You can go with young guys. You can go Jed. You can go, uh, you know, yeah, Craig Council's uh, set list material for his comedy show. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, uh, Sean, you want to go first, man? Just give me a hot take right now, man. What are you feeling? What are you hoping for with the Chicago Cubs team that we might not be thinking about on a day-to-day basis? Well, I don't know if it's something that we haven't been thinking about, but I'll I'll, I'll just say I, I, a hot take is I think that that Chris that Chris Morrell wins the third base starting job and he holds on to it. And I think that's that's something that I think Craig Council wants that to be the case. He doesn't want Nick Madrigal and Patrick Wisdom over there. He doesn't want Miles Mastroboni over there. He wants Chris Morrell to do it, and I think he's going to do enough in spring training to grab that job. He's going to go out. And he's going to hit thirty bombs, two fifty ish, and have a great season. Follow up on that really quick. Are you, how are you feeling about him defensively right now? We can't watch every single inning right now um, in the middle of yeah. spring, but do you, do you think that that's going to, to be enough or do you, uh, my, my worry a little bit with that is that we're going to have to, you know, bring somebody else in, in the eighth or ninth inning, which really isn't even that much of an improvement defensively, but we'll have to do yeah. something because Morel isn't ready. Yeah. I mean, look, I think it's going to be a bit of trial and error. And I think that as, as fans, you know, if he comes out in game one or two and boots a ball, we can't all lose our shit, right? We have to understand that 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 council's giving him this job. It's going to take a little time. There's going to be some frustration. But hopefully, you know, playing third base in the Dominican League, playing at all spring training, hopefully he's starting to get there. I don't think he's ever going to be a gold glover. But if he could just be a league average defensive third baseman with his offensive profile, I think we would all take that, right? Yeah. No, absolutely. Um, and look, yeah, Christopher Morrell is, man, he's 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 an interesting case, right? I mean, I I we we've seen this with Javi Baez, honestly, recently. I mean, I think his offensive profile is very similar. I'm an incredibly exciting, energetic player with great power. Um, can he disappear for five or six days at a time? Sure. Can he shorten those up in the Craig Council era? Um, that's where we find out, right? And I think the answer to that one, Dom is going to be, if you remember correctly, when he would go through maybe he'd rack up a one for 10 and then Rossi would sit him down for three days and he would come back. And it's tough to say whether Rossi did a good job doing that or whether Christopher Morrell would have to literally fight his way back into the lineup by producing or Rossi was going to forget about him. It's tough to see how council manages Morrell offensively and defensively this year. I, I think Morrell, the biggest hurdle he's got to overcome is his self. Uh, he, we, he, we just like you said, we've seen him slump for weeks at a time. We've seen him get hot, not a Ramos hot. What a great feeling! I mean, you mentioned that. I just got a warm feeling every time you say you, when you get a Ramos hot. It's it's so wonderful. I think he's going to be okay at third. Most infielders can play any position in the infield, not excluding first base. If you could play second, you can play short. If you can play short, you could play third. I think he's going to be fine there. I think. More than boot and balls, I think it's going to be positioning, but some of his athleticism is going to make up for that. Um, he's a guy, when he gets on, he could run. He could hit for power. He could do a number of things. He's going to be just fine. 
I'm okay with Christopher Morel at third base to begin the season. Who's our DH? What a great question. <laughs> Between, you know, if you're in the camp of Morel staying at third, you literally have four to five other people who could play that position and come off the bench. Personally, we all know our my feelings toward Patrick Wisdom. I don't know why you're here. I, I don't. I really don't. You could have saved $2 million and put that on top of the five. Now you've got seven. It looks a little bit more attractive. I know you're not paying him much. I know he's going to be the guy who comes in in the eighth inning and hits a three-run homer, and everyone's going to love him again. But I, I, I don't need him getting in the way of some of these kids. I, my, you want a hot take? Hendricks is going to return to form. This is going to be... It's not sundown on Kyle. Kyle is now the the elder and will be teaching this. I think there's going to be obviously a little bit of drop off for Steele. We saw it in September when he hit that wall. Wasn't his fault. He never pitched that long before. Of course, you're going to fall off with stats. But between Tyon and Hendricks, I think you're going to get 25 wins out of those two guys. Ooh. Not not each. I'm saying together. I almost went 30, but divide that by two it's a little tough so I'll, i'm gonna go those two guys are gonna give us at least 25 wins yeah, yeah i was gonna say mordecai three finger brown 25 <laughs> wins each <laughs> is it i i my thing with hendrix is that if you remember correctly i think it was one of the last years that we had johnny lester and for the most part johnny was really really good and he had a really great season but he'd have that one start where he'd give up seven runs in the first inning and it would like torpedo his ERA. Yeah. Um, and, and we look back on it and as Cubs fans, we'd be like, you know what? Kyle Hendricks had a really good year, but his ERA doesn't exactly reflect that because there's just some teams that just, that just had his number. You know what I mean, Sean? Um, and, and that's a little bit of my fear there with Kyle Hendricks. Um, what do you think about that? And then maybe throw in your hot take as well. Well, yeah, Kyle Hendricks should never start against the Atlanta Braves. That should just never, ever, ever be a thing because that's just like BP for those guys. Yeah, I mean, if, if I if I had if I had to bet on that number twenty five, look, Cubs fan, I'd love for Dom to be right, but I I take the under. I mean, I look at those guys and think, if Hendricks and Tyon give you ten to twelve wins, you probably have, you probably have gotten good years out of them, right? Yeah, no, no, absolutely, and 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 look, you, you even if you get a, a a slight, the smallest step back from Justin Steele, and he yeah. still wins fourteen or fifteen games. Still was a really quality pitcher, maybe not as dominant as he was last year. If those other two guys put up double-digit wins, I mean, now you're really cooking with something. Um, and we haven't even mentioned Shota or whoever is going to win that fifth starter job. Yeah, I mean, and that would be my one concern more than the offense is potentially the Cubs rotation. Because once again, it feels like we don't have an ace, right? Like we have Justin Steele, who on a good team is probably a two. And then we have a bunch of fours and fives. I mean, we don't know what, we don't know what Shota is yet. Hopefully he's a solid two, but I mean, Tyon's not a top three starter. I'm sorry. Hendricks is not a top three starter. Jordan Wicks, Hayden Wisniewski, Javier, whoever, whoever else, what do you want to throw out there? That would be my one concern. Um, if I was going to say another hot take, maybe I would take it to the rotation and I would say that Shota is going to translate well. He's going to have especially a good first half of the season, first time through mm -hmm. the league, stuff like that. And maybe he actually has more wins than a Tyon or a Hendricks in his first year. Yeah, that's an interesting point where a guy like Hendricks, a guy like Shota, those first couple of months at Wrigley, when the weather is going to be crap. Oh, it's going to help him, right? Maybe yeah. Maybe it really, really helps him out. And maybe that's something that, 
And maybe that's something that helped out a guy like Stroman too, as well get off to a really good start was that they were able to kind of pitch well in that inclement weather. The Chicago Cubs were able to catch the baseball and we scored just enough runs um, to kind of make it happen. Um, I got a fun, I got a fun hot take for you. And I'm kind of basing this off of history. I'm basing this off of a personal want of mine. Um, I think my hot take is Dansby Swanson hits 30 plus home runs and drives in over 90 runs this year for a couple of reasons. One, um, he fell off the map towards the end of the year. I know people give, you know, Cody Bellinger a hard time for not really hitting the ball with the last week of the season. Um, we give Seah a hard time for dropping the fly ball in right field, but Dansby Swanson completely disappeared in the month of September. Um, and I just, it, that just doesn't track. We've watched baseball and we've watched, we've watched these types of athletes long enough where Dansby Swanson just doesn't feel like the guy that chokes, you know what I mean? It just doesn't really fully make sense to me. And this is very similar to, I remember like I'm I, doing, I'm doing a lot of like Cubs history shit today, but if you remember Moises Alou, oh, the, first year we, the first year we had Moises Alou, um, it wasn't great. And then that second year when he was finally settled in as a Chicago Cub, uh, he completely took off and had a fantastic year. Now, when you sign someone like Dansby Swanson to this long-term contract or whatever, you know, we're going to talk about the years where it was meh, but there's always that one year that, again, an Alfonso Soriano year. There's one of those years where everything just kind of clicks and you look back at that as the best year in the contract and what better year for Dansby Swanson to have the best year in this long contract he's going to have than in this second year when he's fully settled. Um, hopefully his wife is healthy and doesn't blow out her ACL after like the third wow. week in the season. Um, and I'm not advocating at all that Dansby Swanson should be a three, four, five hitter. Um, actually, if that is the case at some point in the season, I think we have problems offensively scoring runs. That should be a telltale sign of the Chicago Cubs. But I think Dansby Swanson has perhaps his career year with the Chicago Cubs. Well, that was going to be my question to you. Where is he doing that from in the lineup? Is is he three, four, five? Is he six? Is he two? Mm, I prefer. I honestly, I think that seven spot. I think that seven spot is is the sweet spot right there. I think what you want to hopefully do, and let's get into it if you guys want to. I've noticed Ian Happ at the top of the lineup, and I'll be honest with you, kind of into it, kind of love it. Switch hitter, um, a guy who can get on base. If he strikes out, it's not the worst thing in the world because I like Nico Horner probably in the two spot. And then some sort of version of Cody, Saya. And then at five hole right now is kind of feeling like Christopher Morell. Yeah. Um, and then from there, you kind of you can mix and match based on different kinds of lineups of how you want to move it from there. But then it's a great it's a great question of how is Michael Bush doing? What can you do? How can you trust him? Who's playing DH? Who's catching that day? But I see Dansby Swanson in that second back half third of the lineup. Dom, what, what do you think about that? This uh, the fun stuff. I mean, David Ross would have a field day with with the amount of flexibility in these lineups. Mm -hmm. I. I like Dansby at the two because I feel like Nico's going to get on and you got to move him over somehow. Unfortunately for me, Bunting not part of a game anymore. You got to have a guy who can knock the ball around. Dansby fills that hole at two. I keep Nico at one. I'm moving Morel to nine and not because he's he's your typical nine spot. but The, ro the rollover. Correct. Yeah. You're really, I mean, I got Nico, Dansby, half belly, say a DH spot, Michael Bush, 
Amaya Morrell. That's that's my lineup. I don't know what you're going to get out of Bush. Amaya can hit for some power. Morrell's a guy. It's just you can put him at one. You can put him at two. You can put him at seven. You can put him at nine. He's a guy that's going to move. In terms of Hap makes matchup problems, but I still like him at three just because he's got that pop. Belly's going to stay at four, say at five, just to get it going again, or to provide that pop for the top of the lineup. But I think Morel, I'm I'm not opposed to having him at seven. I'm not opposed to having him at two or nine. My only problem, Sean, with Ian Happ in the three spot, I think we talked about it last year, is this: you're not pitching cautiously to Ian Happ. No, you're not pitching around him. You're not. There's when we talk about protection, when we talk about setting up a lineup for success. Um, I just don't think you pitch pitch cautiously to him. And with Bellinger and Saya, if they are hot enough, you do enter that realm menta- mentality-wise pitching. Yeah, I don't want Hap anywhere near the middle, like the three, four, five. I mean, if you want to go one, two with Hap, fine. You want to put him more down, six, seven, or towards the bottom, I'm fine. Just he can't be, because again, I just feel like he goes up there too much of the time, and he's too in between. He, he, are we trying to hit the ball here? Or are we trying to take a walk? Yeah, Like, you know what I mean? There's not enough of a game plan up there. And I think that's what cost him too much of his season last year where he struggled so much, where he lost he lost his average and he lost his power. And yet we kept rolling him out there in the heart of the lineup like we were crazy people. So, yeah, I, I think half one or two is totally fine because I'll take it. If, he, if, you, if you want to take a walk from the one or two spot, that's fine. Let my big boys come up and, and, and drive you in. Um, we have to, uh, we have to get out of here. We're going to wrap up. So we're going to do a lightning round really quick. I got four lightning round ones for you. Um, these are more than one word answers, but try and keep them brief so we can kind of rip through them all. Um, okay, here we go. The first one for you, uh, I'm going to keep this simple. I know we talked a little bit about money, but man, we're talking about lineups right now. And I think this guy could really, uh, you know, this guy could really tie, tie the room together like uh, Lebowski rug. J.D. Martinez, uh, yes or no, and if no, why? I I love Martinez. I love him at the DH, but I don't think it's going to happen because of the money. I'm passing. You got you got to pass. We, we got we we got we got room for him. You don't need it if that's your move at the break. If he's gonna is he gonna put you is he gonna put this team over the top? He's just he he's he's a good hitter. He's a star. I just don't think that's the direction they're gonna want to go. It's very fair. My counter to this, though, is and I, this drives me nuts every single year, is that I think we're forgetting the fact that we have to fill 550 plus plate appearances at the DH spot. Yeah. On top of the fact that not everyone plays every day. OK, these guys are going to miss some games here and there. So let's just say on average, Cody, Cody, say and half, they all average about 140 games. That's 60 games that you have to cover. That's roughly 240, 250 at bats. Are those all going to Mike Talkman? Is PCA <laughs> going to come up and make something happen? Um, and this probably the JD Martinez question leads me into my second lightning round. Um, Michael Bush, as it stands right now, if I gave you over under 17.5 home runs for Michael Bush, are you going over or are you going under? You know what? Let's just be positive. Let's go over. <laughs> it's the it's the it's it's the it's the first pot of the year. Let's keep the positivity up. Let's go over. Why? I mean, what do I know? I mean, the kid the kid was like the MVP of the PCL, so why not? Thirty three games in the pros, Dodgers leftovers. Who knows what it could be? I'm gonna unfortunately, I'm gonna have to go with under here just because it's my money. <laughs> I mean. 
if Bellinger, I'm going with Sean's money, Bush. I'm taking the over. Yeah, I mean, look, they have a plethora of talent over here in Los Angeles. Um, the dude is 26. But, man, we've seen a lot of 4A guys mm-hmm. um, that dominate at AAA and come up and just can't quite, you know, figure it out on a consistent basis up here. I'm rooting for it. It would be a great situation. But, I mean, even if you guys are even blanching at the 17.5, I mean, I think everyone needs to temper their expectations and probably think about how we can either improve at first base or move belly to first base and start asking ourselves center field questions uh, earlier than later. Right, Dom? And I think I think that's the move. you got to figure out first because if you're going to have – you're eventually going to have P. Crow Armstrong in center field. Like, that's just the way it's going to be. That's the way we're set up. If you move Bellinger to first, your options are very limited from then if you're putting PCA in center. Now, granted, he could probably uh, – Bellinger could go and, you know, spot him some relief every once in a while. But if you're if you're committed to move Bellinger to first eventually, then PCA is going to be here. You, the rest of these guys, I mean, do I want Matt Mer- – who do I want to play, Bellinger or Matt Mervis? It, that seems pretty easy. Mike Talkman, he's got a little pop. He's going to provide at least beginning season power, but PCA is going to be the future and Belly's going to move. And, and let's be fair too. And, and Sean, uh, to play, to play the card that you're, that you're rightly playing. If you want to play on the optimism side, if Michael Bush is worth his salt and he is a 20 to 25 home run guy from the left side and the Cubs were right um, on this particular call, I think it completely changes the, the complexion, the ceiling for this team. Oh, and, yes. and, and maybe we're, Maybe we're back in May, early June, talking about this team in a completely different way because Michael Bush is providing something that we haven't seen coming or maybe not expecting at this particular time. Uh, Two more left. The next one is the Craig Council factor. Um, Can you guys quantify it in wins? I mean, let's just say right now, is he over under 4.5 wins over Rossi right now? Or uh, are you going to do a little wait and see on that? I I would say under four and a half. I mean, I think he... He's worth more than Rossi, but I would probably say it's like two to three. Which, I mean, if you if you had those two to three wins last year, where are you? You're you're playoffs. in the playoffs, right? Yeah. Look, I'll go with I'll go with four and a half. We, c- I can bring up the text thread from the three of us to show how many times that we had to talk Sean down off of lineup construction, every, which which may or may not have cost them in the long run. And and those games are in not just in September in the. And that this is part of my frustration is that people are like, oh, say I dropped the fly ball. Yeah, that was one play. What about the game you lost in May six to two because you had a crap lineup or guys weren't, you know, they weren't ready to play. Thanks, manager. I'm going to Craig Council seems like a better manager than David Roth. I'm sorry, David. I love you. I just I'll go. I'll go over four and a half. Look, just I mean, we're dealing, we're dealing, we're, I, I, not to open up a can of worms, but we're dealing with it in this town too, as well at the quarterback position. It's not that Justin Fields. I don't think Justin Fields is a trash, shitty quarterback. But if there's an opportunity where you upgrade, um, it, you it's do that. Kinda, it's just how it goes. It's just how it goes sometimes, and that's the situation I think David Ross found himself in when Craig Council all of a sudden now is a guy who's on the open market, and the Chicago yep. Cubs pounced on it, and hopefully it totally works out. Um, I do think he's a really good manager. Um, so hopefully that that pays off um, immediately on the north side. My final one for you, my final one, uh, lightning round, is if you could say right now who will have a bigger impact on this year's team, positional prospects 
or pitching prospects. Now, I know PCA had a cup of coffee here last year, but I'm putting him in the positional prospects guys coming up. So on the positional side, I'm talking to PCA, a Canario, um, a Matt Shaw, even further, Owen Casey, Alcantara. On the pitching side, I'm talking the Cade Hortons. I'm talking the Ben Browns of the world. Who, do, Which side do you think is going to have a bigger impact for the Chicago Cubs team this season? Hmm. I'll take position. You know, okay. they're going to unlock. Look, these guys can come up. But they have never seen pro hitters before. You're facing a guy in double A who's a threat. Big deal. You're not facing Mo Vaughn. You know what I mean? Like, I just think if this team's going to excel and reach the next level, it's going to be the prospects that take you there. Pitching wins, pitching triumphs all. I understand that. Nobody ever has enough pitching, but you got to have the pieces around the pitching to score runs. You, you, this is the problem with this team. They've had some pitching and not been able to score runs. The position players will lead us. No, and I think it's fair that the if we're asking this question of who won that last year, it was the pitching, right? The Javier Sags, the Jordan Wicks, those guys that were able to come up, that, that helped this that Cubs team last year. So, Sean, my question for you, yeah, is it going to be the position players or the pitching prospects again that are going to help out the Chicago Cubs team that we don't quite see coming right now? Yeah, I mean, just to be different than Dom, I'll, I'll say pitching, I guess, because if, if if we get to that point in the season where we need PCA to come up and save us, if we need a Matt Shaw to come up and save us, then I don't think the year's gone as maybe as well as we had hoped for. So I'll, so I'll say pitching, because I think you a guy like a, a Brown or, or a Horton or another one of those guys, even I'm still going to count Jordan Wicks in there. These guys come up, they back in starters, win you some games late in the year, or they come up, they go into the bullpen, and all of a sudden you got some some heat coming out of the bullpen. Because right now the bullpen still is like, we'll see, right? And and that's a cheap option for later in the year that maybe somebody comes up and helps you win some games late that you have to win to get into the playoffs. 2-0 and o, Jordan Wicks, by the way. Uh, undefeated <laughs> in the spring, uh, Jordan Wicks. So let's... Uh, Give yeah. the young now. It's a wrap, Dom. He's really Lock mixing it up. it up out there in Arizona. <laughs> Change up's playing well. I like Jordan Wicks. Everything I looks do, up I do still. Everything's, everything still looks up with him. I do too, but it's like, you know, Dom, at this time of year, yeah, the pitchers are ahead of the hitters. <laughs> <laughs> Nico's got a new stance. He's uh, ready we to gotta, <laughs> We got to hop out of here. This is Bet on Chicago. Uh, Cubs Spring Training Edition, my Cubs consigliere's Dom Fortini, Sean Graves, my brothers. Great to see you guys. Uh, thank you so much for hopping on the show. Uh, thank you so much for everyone tuning in. Uh, like, comment, subscribe, do all that good stuff. Uh, stick around. Hopefully in a couple weeks, I myself will be at Spring Training, hopefully doing some type of Ooh. content of some kind. Uh, maybe in a hotel room, I'll uh, also get these guys on and we can chop up a little bit and I can really break down... Uh, I can really break down. What was it? The guys of your, the Dylan Maples delivery. Uh, <laughs> this guy, Dylan Gotta Maples, could be a, be a real, real difference maker. Uh, but today's episode was presented by BetOnline.ag and also the Cut app, K-U-T-T app. You'll get a 10% welcome bonus if you use promo code Believe Bears B-L-E-A-V Bears. Thank you so much for tuning in. Follow me at Joey Sports Guy. Be well, be safe. Please be good to each other. And remember, when in doubt, always, always bet on Chicago. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.